KXNO Des Moines. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. It's 24 hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, about five minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock, bottom of the hour. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic will join the program. Uh, Matt Campbell's teleconference scheduled to take place in about five minutes. Doc is listening as he uh, writes for The Athletic on Cyhawk. We'll pick his brain on what uh, Campbell put out there, if anything. Although I'm assuming we could probably look at Get it from Twitter the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a great, great, great tool for what we do. Let's get Bama Bob in here. Bama, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. We recap every Monday and preview every Friday. And good to talk to you, Bama. How are you? I'm uh, fantastic, Kenny. How are you? Doing well. You know, I want to go around a couple. I want to obviously get all the Power 5 conferences to take from all of us. A couple of things before we get to that game. Bama, did we see an LSU-Texas game, in particular from the LSU perspective? Uh, is this team... A national championship threat? I mean, I get that they got to get out of their own division. And maybe I'm overreacting to what I saw, what I think is a pretty good Texas football team. Man, Joe Burrow's a different player, Bama. He's a different guy. That was entertaining yeah. as hell. Yeah, I agree with you. That was one of the probably better better games in the last five years, I think. And, you know, I'm probably forgetting a few along the way, and this one's so fresh. But, I mean, this was just a great college football game. Um, had everything you wanted. It, it did have defense, even though there was a lot of points mm-hmm. scored. Uh, it had hitting, which you like. You know, this wasn't one of these just let's you know throw bubble screens and run seventy yards. So there was there was a lot there was a lot of meat on the bone in this one. Um, these are the kind of games when you schedule these non conference home and home series. I mean, can you I mean, can you not wait right now until Texas visits Baton Rouge mm-hmm. next year? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, right now, let's play that game. And it, it's this is what you want when that happens. And I don't think this game is going to hurt. It's certainly going to help. It's not going to hurt LSU. I don't think this game hurts Texas at all. It might even help Texas if, let's say, they go on and they, you know, were to lose even to Oklahoma, but then beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. So now they're at a two-loss team. This, even though this is a loss over LSU uh, to LSU. It's a good loss if you can look at it that way. And I, to answer your question, yes, I think LSU is because they have the offense. And Ken, that's all they've lacked the last several years. It's different, it's isn't offense. it? That's particular why, quarterback. Yeah, they, absolutely. And you go look at, and particularly against teams like Alabama, you go look at the points they've been able to score. I think it's been almost a, I don't know, a decade since they scored twenty points in this in the Alabama game. You're not going to beat them with that. And they put down on tape that they can they can put up some points. And if if they've got if that offense is legit and Burrow stays healthy, um, I mean they're going to be a player in that division. And if they win that division, you know the the rest of it is the playoff will take care of itself. Trent, more impressive or more has come out of left field, Maryland or Cal? I think it's Cal, and because of what they did on the road as opposed to the home victory for Maryland. Maryland ended up favored in that football game. I don't think anybody anticipated them running past Syracuse Mm -hmm. in that fashion. But for Cal to go on the road, deal with the two-and-a-half-hour weather delay, 
and get to two. Yeah, what and time did that game end? Our time, like uh, three? three? It was in the threes, yeah, somewhere. I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't even stay up late for that one. Jack, Jack let me sleep through the end of the Washington Cal game. But to do that, to do that on the road, deal with all the other extra circumstances. It's Cal and Justin Wilcox. That guy knows how to coach yeah. just a little defense. So does Loxley with Maryland. Trent, he's uh, Trent uh, Bama. He's done a nice job too. But but point being, these are the two schools, at least through week two, that seemingly have come out of nowhere, right? Yeah, I would think so. I'd throw North Carolina in there, too. Yeah, good point. Um, yep, good one. You know, they've got wins over South Carolina and Miami, Yeah, uh, neither of which we thought were going to be, you know, playoff contenders. But, I mean, my goodness, mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming either. But you know, I think Cal has the better, I'm with Trent, the better win on the road in Seattle. But Maryland's often, I mean, did anybody see this coming? No. I mean, usually when you have these, these transition years or whatever you know coaches fired for whatever reason which is what happened and Loxley comes in you don't usually hit the ground running like this I mean we saw Tom Herman in his first year at Texas we saw Scott Frost yeah but that's Texas Nebraska I mean (laughs) yeah exactly I mean you just you just it takes a while generally you change the culture you got to do this you run some players off blah 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 you know, new terminology and everything and Loxley's having none of it and you're right they haven't played murderer's row yet but I mean, Kenny, they play Temple next week, and then they're going to get Penn State on the 21st, prime time on FS1. I mean, that is a at Penn State at mm. Maryland of all games. Can you believe that? Mm. The Maryland Terrapins are going to be in prime time in September against Penn State. So who, that, to me, kind of makes them a little bigger surprise. For the season, but both teams, you got you got to love. You just got to love the way they've happened. And, and you know, Cal has now gone and, and wrecked, completely wrecked the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, there's no question about it. Probably took him right out of playoff contention. I totally agree yeah. with that, which is a huge story. And we'll get to the Pac-12 in a second. And one, well, right now we're going to get to the Pac-12 Bama because I've got to ask you about Chip Kelly. Um, I mean, uh-huh. I, I don't know if you saw any of the game, Bama. This is not an exaggeration. I, I'm not minimizing how many people were there, and and I know that they've got that corporate area. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so you, we don't know how many people are, you know, at the buffet behind the Bama. There wasn't 12,000 people in the stands. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I saw that. I didn't see any of the game. I saw the reaction, you know, on, on some of the highlights and some of the clips. And of course you go to Twitter and you look it all up and, you know, I mean, you're right. The, the, the announced crowd was 36,000. Okay. That's bad enough. Right. An announced crowd of 36,000 in a hundred thousand seat stadium when you're UCLA. As somebody pointed out, maybe it was a writer for the LA Times, I'm not sure who it was, um, San Diego State probably brought seven or 8,000 of those themselves. I mean, you know, because it's not a long trip, for goodness sakes. It's, what, a couple hours up the road, and you, know, you get to play in the Rose Bowl. Who wouldn't want to go? Um, and so, you know, but he said actual attendance, he thought was around 12,000 12, people. If that's the case, you might have had five, six thousand L or UCLA fans that bothered to show up. And don't give me the whole competing for the sports calendar. What the hell else was going on that day? UCLA fans aren't going to the Coliseum to watch USC Stanford. Nope. The Lakers aren't playing. Nope. Yeah, there was no NFL games. I mean, there was really. I mean, I don't know if the Dodgers were at home, but I mean, again, I don't know how many of those you know would. And they're talking about how the heat and everything else. We talked about it before, Ken. The worst problem you can have is apathy. And they, these fans have given up on this team, and it seems like they've given up on Chip Kelly uh, already. And you're going to see the exact 
same scenario, I think, in Neyland Stadium this week for when the Chattanooga comes in. And you, the same thing is happening down in Tallahassee. Fans are fed up with it. They're not going to pay the prices. They're not going to go to the games. They're not going to sit through the heat. They don't care about the team. They don't like the coach. Give it, call it whatever you want. Apathy is worse than, than outrage. And the, the fans at UCLA just don't care. Trent Condon, uh, ACC takeaway from the week. I'm looking forward to a Wake Forest North Carolina matchup. Something on Friday I think, night. I don't think I've ever said before. I'm looking for that one in an early kick, five o'clock central. Now time. let me ask you this, Trent. Because Unless it was basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why is this game listed, Trent, as a non-conference game? I would guess it has something to do with the eight-game conference schedule. You need to find four non-conference teams, and they kind of looked around and say, with the increasing prices of bringing in teams for 1.5 sometimes two million dollars mm-hmm. yeah, let's just get together play a home and home mm-hmm. won't count in the standings but we'll get a good gate out of it there'll be a lot of people there wake forest people certainly yeah. going to be excited in carolina for this one maybe it just makes more sense to do go that route i've heard other conference talk about it i believe it's the first time we'll actually see it happen, i've never yeah i've never seen it before Bama, your biggest takeaway on the acc this weekend was what well i you know to me well I don't know. I mean, I already mentioned North Carolina yep. how, on the positive side. Um, Florida State, Florida mm. State guys, is pre-Bobby Bowden bad. Um, oh. We saw him lose at home to Boise, who, who's pretty good, mm-hmm. although they didn't exactly run Marshall out of the blue turf on Friday night. Yeah, but, but they dominated statistically and won the game by seven. I'm not bitter I had Boise State. <laughs> so maybe yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, you know, but again, they they lose at home to a team that traveled across country with a freshman quarterback. Yeah, and then I mean, they they lose in overtime to Louisiana Monroe. I mean, th- this team is there again. No momentum, no discipline. Willie Taggart making excuses last week. You kind of throwing the training staff under the bus about them not being properly hydrated. And I mean, okay, well, you know, again with the excuses, cut it out. So. Um, to me, that that is that's that takeaway. I mean, FSU has become, and I don't see any improvement on the horizon. They have shown nothing. Usually, you make your biggest improvement from week one to week two. Well, if that's the best you can do, and that you're going to do week to week, you're going to finish with a three win season. So they are. They, it is stunning how bad of a hire Willie Taggart has turned out to be, and how far that program has fallen so quickly. Uh, Trent, the Big 12, anything? We, we talked about the LSU-Texas game. Anything else from the Big 12 catch your eye this weekend? Kansas. Getting beat. Coastal Carolina came in yeah. and beat them. That's not good. Yeah. Uh, Les Miles is not going to be the elixir for that football program. No, by, by a long shot. What about you, Bam? Anything from the Big 12? West Virginia. Getting beat. Really bad. Mm-hmm. And, again, how, how far, I mean, just the change in coaches. Yep. Um, you know, Dana Holgerson got out for whatever reason, wanted to go back to his alma mater. And I mean that that program is just and that that's a tough place to recruit to. I mean, who, uh, you know, again, you got to have the right guy there, and I don't know if they do or not, but they're pretty bad. And Oklahoma State, I mean, look out in two weeks. They go to Texas. I know they haven't again. They haven't played Murderer's Row, but I mean, they got a shot. I yep. think, when they go to Austin, uh, that's going to be a that, that's going to be a different type of challenge for Texas than what they faced last night. So. Good for Texas. They got a week to get over that game. 
Yeah, that uh, is good news. And I, I like Sanders, the young freshman, redshirt freshman quarterback as, as well. Yeah. You know where I'll go? And, and again, it was, um, it was a dominating win for Oklahoma, but Jalen Hurts just continues to put up massive numbers. I mean, his season, 34 yeah. 41, uh, that's, uh, through the air. He's running the football effectively, scoring a boatload of touchdowns. Looks like he belongs, uh, in Oklahoma. He's going to do it all year, Ken. I think He's so. Going to put up those numbers all year, and then to me, the litmus test for him is going to be when they play Texas, mm-hmm. and whatever that is, week five, six, whenever that is. I mean, that's that's the best defense he's probably going to see all season. Trent, the Big Ten, your takeaway from that conference was what? Well, all off season, we heard about Josh Gaddis and how he was going to revolutionize Michigan football and what they were going to do offensively, <laughs> and they're going to play up tempo, and here they go. And in a tight game, Jim Harbaugh reverted back to Harbaugh ball, and they tried to pound it at Army. It really could have been beat in the football game. Certainly good news for the rest of the Big Ten. Michigan, with all those great athletes and the guys out wide, not going to utilize them. You get them in a phone booth, and they'll play that way, and it probably won't be the best thing for Michigan. How about you, Bama Big Ten? Yeah, that was my take as well. I mean, you know, Army again, and I didn't see that coming. We talked about it last Friday. I mean, they struggled with Rice. Um, I thought that you know, Michigan, uh, you know, maybe Army was down. Maybe Michigan, you know, would find a way. And, and listen, they were celebrating that win like they just beat Ohio State, which obviously none of them have ever done. So maybe they don't, you know, might as well just beat Army <laughs> yeah. and, and go and go nuts. But, uh, I mean, that's not a – that is not a win. That you, that's not what you want to see if you're a Michigan fan. A, the product on the field, and B, them being so damn excited about beating Army. Uh, in you know in overtime, so uh, you know Penn State looks pretty good. Ohio State, Justin Fields might be the real deal. Wisconsin mm-hmm. keeps rolling. Yep, bad loss for Nebraska. I mean, and we already talked about Maryland. Uh, my takeaway was Wisconsin. They've played twice this year. They've yet to give up a point, fellas. I mean, they've they've outscored the yeah. two t- the two opponents one hundred and ten to zip, one hundred and ten to zip. They're off this week, two weeks. We're already looking ahead to the twenty first. Michigan pays a visit to Madison. How good is that going to be? Um, yeah. Oof, my God. But Wisconsin, I mean, they haven't given up a point in two weeks. Crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, let's move on. We've spent some time in the Pac-12. We're going to go back there because they still, to, at least at this point, are considered a Power 5 uh, conference. Uh, Bama, you can go first on this one. Your takeaway from, I mean, obviously Washington's loss was just gut-wrenching. Your biggest takeaway. Uh, the biggest takeaway was I was way off of my sneaky good game. Oregon beat Nevada seventy-seven to six. You know USC, give them credit. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody talked about uh, you know losing JT Daniels. Yep. A uh, good win over Stanford. You know they talked about the gauntlet. They still they go to BYU, home to Utah, at Washington, at Notre Dame. Not going to win all five of them, but they're not going to lose all five of them either. That was a good win over Stanford. Indeed, Trent. Keaton Slovis looked pretty good for USC. He did, not bad, right? I was impressed by him. I thought he threw the ball well. He got protection against Stanford. Surprise on that one. I thought Stanford, even with their own injury at the quarterback position, was going to be out there. Don't throw dirt quite yet on USC. It's getting closer, but they got BYU this week. The Slovis, Slovis, I thought, looked really good for them. At least one positive for the Trojans. Yeah, my takeaway was uh, was Utah, who I still think is in the driver's seat to win that conference. I think they're really salty. I love the running back, Zach Moss. Um, he's on his way to yet another 1,000-yard season. But the conference, Bama, you hit the nail on the head. I, I with, that, with that Washington loss, I just don't see... I hate to say that the Pac-12 well, is eliminated from playoffs, but, man, it sure feels like that. Well, Washington State is the highest-ranked team. They're 20. Um, Where's Utah? Be, Utah's got uh, to be. Well, no, you're right. Utah's the highest ranked. Yeah. Utah's probably 
12, 14, something yep, like somewhere that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, so, you know, we, I don't know. It, it's They're not totally eliminated because of Utah. I keep forgetting they're in the Pac-12. Not Big 12, that's just the way it goes. So, uh, Let's go to the SEC. And, Bama, you can start there. Your biggest takeaway from this uh, week in the SEC was what? Well, the quarterback at, at South Carolina, and God, I wish I could remember his name. I had it written down, and I can't remember. The the guy that replaced Jake Bentley, and, and again, they ran over... Uh, Holinsky. Yes, and do you... Ken, you know the backstory there. I don't. Uh, that, it was... You remember a couple of years ago, a kid at Washington State that committed suicide. That's his. That was his brother. Oh, really? And he has come all the way across the country, yep. and he is now the starting quarterback for South Carolina. They put up I don't know who it was. Coastal Carolina, I don't know who it was. They put up, you know. Charleston Southern. Was. Charleston Southern. Um, Alabama comes in this week. Obviously, totally different opponent. But that was just a really good, feel-good story. And and um, I think it's going to, you know, the fairy tale probably going to come crashing down this week. But good for South Carolina because we, we've already talked about their schedule, losing Jake Bentley. Um, I don't know how good the kid's going to play against Alabama. But they still have Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Uh, Texas A&M, Florida on the schedule. So it's just a murderer's row. But for one week at least, you got a feel-good story out of, out of Columbia. Trent? What we talked about earlier, it's Burrow, certainly the biggest takeaway overall. But my second takeaway from the SEC, Tennessee. Tennessee. And this is why you don't let the inmates run the asylum when they got all up in arms because they didn't like the hiring of Shiano. It had nothing to do with Shiano and his mm-hmm. possibly something at Penn State 20 years ago. They just didn't like the hire. So they freaked out, yep. and this is what you get, and get ready. Phil Fulmer, he's going to make his triumphant return. He's going to pull Alvarez <laughs> sidelines. He's going to be coaching late this season. We'll see him in November. You know what? That's not crazy. That That's not crazy. I'm, I'm with you, Trent. That was just egregious how they lost that football game. They just gave it away uh, to BYU you lose in double overtime. That would probably be my biggest take as well. You know where another one in Bama? Uh, I'll go to your neck of the woods. Auburn coming off that emotional win in week one. Thought maybe yeah. a letdown against Tulane. But the kid, Bo Nix, he wasn't as sharp, I don't think. But uh, no. uh, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't bad. No, he wasn't, and uh, you know, again, you kind of you would kind of expect that coming off that big win. But um, you know, Trent mentioned Tennessee, and you're exactly right. I'd mentioned it last week about you know Phil Fulmer, and you know, listen, he's got less miles, and and you know, Mac Brown to point to as justification for coming back down to the <laughs> sideline in his what late sixties or seventies, whatever it is. I'm not sure. You, again, you're right. Perfect. Inmates running the asylum didn't like Greg Schiano. Nothing to do with his qualifications or his background. They just didn't think it was a good fit. So what are they going to do? Oh, we're going to go hire somebody off Nick Saban's staff because he worked for Nick Saban. He must be a genius. He must be Nick Saban. Yeah. Uh, the only guy that's really had success uh, in the last several years, uh, you know, talk about Jimbo Fisher, but recently is Kirby Smart. Yeah. And that's, you know, the other guys, Muschamp struggled. and Maybe Loxley else, but... trending in the right direction. Yeah, you certainly Maybe. that way. But, yeah. you know, Kiffin struggling at no, Florida Atlantic. No. And, you know, McElwain got washed out at Florida. And, you know, the the record's not great uh, for his recent assistant hires. But, yeah, maybe Loxley, he'll have it. Like I said, he'll have a chance in a couple weeks to go pick off Penn State. Wasn't Tucker on part of his tree, too, at Colorado? Mel Tucker? I think he was. I believe that's correct. Anyways, that was a good win for them. Yeah, that was big, a big win. win for them. Big win. Students yep. all over the field. Nice to see. Uh, Bama, we're out of time. We'll yep. uh, we'll preview with you on uh, Friday. Thank you, Bama Bob. Appreciate it.
Sounds good, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Bama Bob Trent and I go around college football uh, recapping each and every uh, Monday. Well, the Matt Campbell teleconference is over. Mm-hmm. Scott Dockerman just sent me a text that he's ready to go, but we'll take a break. We'll get Doc when we come back as we continue on. Miller and Condon, 24 minutes after the hour of 11. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.org. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 11 o'clock. Joining us tomorrow, a couple of quarterbacks who played in this game. Austin Arnaud, a former Iowa State QB, will join the program tomorrow, as will Chuck Hartlieb, who started 87-88, I want to say, 87-88 and uh, for the Hawks. So that will be tomorrow, Wednesday. Some kid who uttered the words... If you don't like it, leave it. Love it or leave Love it. Love it or leave it. Ricky Stanzi, a true American hero. Will join us on uh, on Wednesday. Look forward to that. Uh, let's get Scott Dockerman in here. He just listened to Matt Campbell's teleconference. Uh, apparently, Kanae Wango is going to play. Colin Newell is questionable at this point. Doc Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Doc? You know what? I'm awesome. This is a great week, and I think we're all excited for it, probably more than ever. So how about you guys? I, I think the same way. I, I, I you know, scratch my head, people that don't want to see this game played every year. It's, it's the biggest needle mover in the state, and it's not even close. And I think maybe it's going to take to, I don't know what you got till when it's gone, but I hope that never happens because this game needs to be held every year. And I know it, it's at the expense, maybe, of bringing in another Marquis school, but I don't care, damn it. It's all about me. Uh, let's get to uh, what you heard on that Campbell's teleconference, if anything, Doc, uh, what did you uh, what did you make of it? Uh, you know, I think he he showed uh, or talked about kind of the immense respect he has for Iowa. He also understands that uh, this is a challenging week for his program. He sees it as a great opportunity playing Iowa, you know, the rival, the in-state rival, and uh, but there's also you know a lot of distractions with this week, uh, and and then you throw game day on there, mm-hmm. and I think it's really kind of a um, you know, it, it, he's going to have to really keep the focus tight and but and also not put too much pressure on him. So it's going to really take a lot of coaching acumen and and uh, to, to really keep everybody on the same page and not let the situation get too big. So I think he recognizes the situation at hand. And, uh, you know, Colin Newell, you know, potentially losing him is going to be, you know, kind of a tough one for, for the Cyclones. But, uh, you know, he, I think he he's also had a week to kind of see what, needs to happen rather than last time when uh, you know he decided not to start calling Newell at Kinnick Stadium and kind of changed the outcome of the offensive line and then the pat you know couldn't stop Iowa's pass rush because of it. Doc, it's an old football adage teams making the biggest leap between weeks one and week two. It'll be different though for Iowa State this week as they didn't play in week two. They got a bye week here during the second week. Positive negative for either Iowa and Iowa State when you look at the way the schedule broke this season. You know, it's it's one of those questions where I think you almost have to wait until, say, uh, you know, Sunday morning to really analyze yeah. it. But yeah. because you know who wins and who loses because of it. But but I really think it has the potential to not be too much of a factor, and that and that is because with Iowa, what I the only thing I was kind of concerned about for them was you know would they lose many other guys to injury, and they did actually before the game and in Kayvon Merriweather mm-hmm. free safety. So that is going to be a challenge, but. Uh, they they played well. They 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 their communication improved. 
Their chemistry looked so much better. I, I think you saw that week one to week two improvement out of the Hawkeyes. And the Cyclones, we don't know because we don't know. They didn't play. Uh, but I, I imagine the offense will look much better than it did against Northern Iowa. Uh, it, it, it looked to be, you know, hey, they lost their two biggest playmakers and, and they're struggling to figure some things out. So I, I think it's, uh, I, I don't think it's going to matter a whole lot. But I think what does matter is who's going to be out on the field. Um, and, you know, whether it's Colin Newell and Kayvon Merriweather will not play. I, I think those are the challenges that the teams need to overcome going into it. Yeah, I was just put out their depth chart. Matt Hankins is on it, Trent, so there's that question answered mm-hmm. at least for now. That in a second, Doc. But as you think back to the last time game day was in Iowa City, and where I'm going with this is the distraction factor. The players that you talked to after the game, were they – and it didn't go their way, but I don't think anyone blamed the fact that game day was there. But but as you think back, was it a um, a talking point at all? Were some of the players, you know, did they get caught up in it? I guess because Campbell's addressed it. He's you know he's talked to his team and said, you know, enjoy it. It's it's great for the fans, but let's not lose track that we got a game to play. And you would expect them to say nothing less. But was it a distraction, Bat Doc, uh, as far as the players were concerned following the game when you asked them that? No, and part of it really wasn't that. I, I think they played hard. Uh, they played as well as they could. They just played an, an invincible opponent at that time in top-ranked Ohio State. It was just they could not stop them. And then they were in a submitted way through a six-and-six six year, although they were undefeated at that point. So I didn't see that as a distraction. And, I, and from what I can recall, I mean, it's been, you know, the 13 years ago. Yeah. It really it wasn't that you know, Twitter wasn't part of it, so they didn't have to worry about social media. But uh, it, it has the potential to, to swallow you up in maybe some, an event like this, you know, whether it was on either campus, just because, you know, it is the biggest event in the state every year, and then you throw on, you know, something like this. It, it's, it, you know, if, if you don't keep your focus straight, it can swallow you up. So I guess we'll you know, I hate to do this again, but I guess we'll know more on Saturday by how they play. I mean, either they're going to, if, if Iowa State plays flat, it's probably because the emotion got too high during the week. So you wonder if that, that's where I would see if it was a factor or not. I didn't see that from Iowa 13 years ago. So Iowa dominating performance against Rutgers over the weekend. Again, much like week one, hard to glean a whole lot out of there. One of my biggest takeaways, though, Doc, and it's something we talked about a lot, was the cash defense, and now the 4-3. Ben, or Nick Neiman, excuse me, was out there. 43 of the 50 snaps they had defensively. You know, let me stop you on, on Neiman. Did, how about his penalty? Yeah. Let them play football. Uh, that was, what did they call that? A... Uh... It was, uh, it was a, you know... What did they, what's the, the blocking zone. Right, it was, it was during the return. Mm-hmm. I mean... Blindside block? That's not a blindside block. That's getting, And he pulled up for crying out loud. That's the changing of football. Guess. guess the 4-3 is done. Is that fair? We'll see a spread team this week. How much do you anticipate seeing DJ Johnson as opposed to Neiman out there? I think you'll probably see him quite a bit more. I don't okay. know how much more. Uh, they didn't show hardly anything other than a few twist stunts up front. Uh, their base, their their secondary coverage was pretty much the same. They used cash one play, um, and that was in the first half. So you know they they were really vanilla against that team, and and it made a lot of sense. They were prone to make mistakes. Uh, they you know they had a quarterback in the first half who you know threw the ball all over the place, <laughs> flat footed wise, and so it was really you know imperative on tackling, not as much as coverage. This might change this week, uh, so. 
you know, they're probably, you know, I guarantee they're working on it in practice. So I think you'll see more and more of it. But so, you know, we, we tend to overwrite it, you know, hey, this is their, their absolute defense. And then, you know, now we're saying it's the death of it. I, I think they'll just play it when they have to. Uh, but I, I expect Nick Demon to be out there a little bit more because they have a lot of trust in him. Hmm. I thought Christian Welsh had his best game. I'm not sure maybe ever Doc would be the answer, but Christian Welsh certainly uh, he flashed on Saturday. You're right. He is. He's he's become that uh, Iowa traditionally has that senior yep. player who uh, who rises to the occasion in his final year, and a lot of times it's along the offensive line. Uh, and I think that's what they're hoping for with the Paulsons. But Christian Welch, by installing him at middle linebacker, I mean, last year, you know, he'd start, and then he got beat out, and then he'd start again and not play well, got hurt. Uh, this time around, you know, he's really stepped into that role and played well. Uh, you know, and, and they played against a team with some good playmakers. This this game will challenge him in different ways, and we'll see what happens. But uh, I thought he and I thought Jaiman Colbert, who did miss a few tackles, mm-hmm. but I thought played a really good game. I think they're both, uh, you know, this, this is going to be a, an interesting development because Colbert's first game as a starter was last year against Iowa State. He did a really nice job, I thought. Another guy that popped again for the second straight week, speaking to seniors with Cedric Ladmore, thought he's played certainly his best back-to-back games we've seen in a Hawkeye uniform. They got some line dudes on that defensive tackle spot. Noah Shannon came in. I thought he played really well late in the game, and he coupled that with lots of guys inside on the defensive line, still searching outside. Is it going to be Golson, Epinesa, and hope for no injuries out there? Well, you know, Monty Jones played a lot, and so did Joe Evans, and and, and uh, Van Valkenburg played, and John Wagner played. So they rotated some guys. Uh, you know, they don't need to rotate them as much, but, you know, on third down passing situations, Golston went inside, and, and Jones came outside. Same thing with uh, Joe Evans. So I expect them to, you know, they, they know a little bit more. I would, you know, I would say Jones has probably got the largest role of the of the backups, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he's he's going to be a you know he, he's a tough player, so I, I think he'll he might continue to grow in that role. Uh, the other ones, you know, you never know. I mean, Joe Evans might might make a play, and I think this week especially he'll be supercharged if he gets to in the game. So, uh, but Epineza needs to be in the game. He's the best defensive player Iowa has, and now is the time for him to shine. And he, uh, you know, he was able to make a more statistical impact this game than he was in the first one. Well, it was that stunt, too, right? When uh, whoever's playing right tackle at the time would try and take his guy, and he'd come right shooting through the A-gap. It's just, I mean, just terrifying if you're a quarterback. I couldn't imagine watching <laughs> 94 with a head of steam running right at you uh, with his sights set on you. Uh, one of the matchups, Doc, and you know everybody's going to have their one that they're going to pay attention to, but to me, it's uh, it's Tyler Linderbaum against Ray Lima. Ray Lima is really, really good. Tyler Linderbaum looks as though he's going to have a tremendous... If two games, you can base it on that. Uh, I've seen enough to know that this kid's in the right position, uh, and he's going to take and hold that position for as long as he stays at the University of Linderbaum versus Lima. How good could that be? Yeah, I think you're looking at two pros. And, you know, and Linderbaum, you know, just being a redshirt freshman... I'm with you. You know... It, you know, he has just been outstanding. Uh, I would say after Wurfs, who is the best offensive player. By For far. now, but Linderbaum's <laughs> played two games. <laughs> yeah, I know, but uh, Linderbaum has been outstanding. And I think, uh, and obviously Ray Lima is a, is a quality player, mm. one of the more unsung heroes. I think he's an NFL nose guard. Yep. Uh, you know, does everything they need him to do, you know, clogs up the lanes, takes on two blocks a lot of cases. I think 
this is a perfect matchup, and I think this is what will – it may not dictate the outcome of the game, but I think it will dictate the flow of the game because how Iowa runs the ball will depend on how Iowa is able to block Ray Lima. Now, most of the zone blocks will be a, a, a double team right off the snap, and then after that, one of the, the two linemen will float to the, to the second level. But if Lima's able to tie them up, then they're not going to be able to get there, which means that it'll be a lot of one-yard gains. So I think this will be a real uh, impactful uh, matchup. You know, and if Tyler Linderbaum has a good game, a, a great day, then I think we could look at him and say, you know what, he's probably the best freshman center in the country. And he may already be that way. But, but Ray Lima is by far his greatest test. Yep. Uh, that he's faced in a game so far. Doc, you are have a different perspective being in Eastern Iowa as opposed to us here. You can imagine what the hype has been about this game, what it is just in general, year in and year out, and it's gone to a completely different level. In Eastern Iowa, Iowa State, the program certainly has taken step forwards the last couple of years. Game day is going to be there. That's big for regardless of the fan base. But what's the thoughts on this game? This year alone, does it feel a lot different, or does it feel like a standard Seahawks game over in Eastern Iowa? It's different, and I think it's different because of how I think people they respect what Iowa State can do in, in football. I think now you look at Iowa State as the majority of fans would say, you know, Iowa State's a pretty good program, and and this is the team that's capable of beating you, and not one of those uneven losses that sometimes have happened. But no, that they're good enough to do that. So. That's kind of the vibe I've gotten. I mean, you've got, you know, everywhere you've got fans who skew it one way or the other. But I think the, the view of this isn't just, hey, it's a rivalry week and, you know, go clones, go Hawks or whatever. It's, it's more of this is going to be a good game, and this is one of the better games in the country, obviously, and it's a really tough non-conference matchup. So uh, the rivalry is just added to that. So I think that's probably the view. I mean, I, I hate to generalize everybody. Gen- this week is always big everywhere in the state, and obviously where you live, it's the biggest uh, part of it. But it's it's this week is about football more than the event. And then yeah, game day, and it really turns it into do a circus atmosphere in a good way. No doubt about it, Doc. Last thing when uh, when you guys get a chance to meet with uh, Ferentz and some of the players tomorrow, is there anything lingering? Any question marks out there with Hankins back on the depth chart? That was one. We know Geno Stone met you guys after the media, so that was clearly a good sign. I mean, what is is there something that um, that we're missing here that uh, that Ferentz is going to shed some light on tomorrow? Can you think of anything? You know, you always kind of wonder in the back of your mind, you know, something like Alaric Jackson. You know, he's said repeatedly he's out for a couple of weeks. Uh, but, you know, he's a lineman. Does he somehow, is he somehow able to play? I mean, maybe that's, you know, after what Brandon Sheriff did five years mm-hmm. ago, that kind of always lingers. But I, I do think the secondary's health is important because right now they're down three guys, three guys who have started or are considered really up, up there with Julius Brents and, Riley Moss is out four to six weeks, and Kayvon Merriweather, and then you throw on Stone, who left the game, and Hankins, and, and then you're looking at a, what was a really deep unit as, oh, wow, they're really starting to dip into their reserves here. So I think that's, a, that's kind of the lingering question is, you know, is, is a Julius Brent's going to return? Can Kayvon Merriweather return Alaric Jackson? But, uh, but other than that, I think, uh, you know, the, the, Kind of trying to corral Brock Purdy is going to be a challenge for Iowa. I mean, if they stay in a four-three, we know what how you know accurate Purdy is, mm-hmm. and Deshante Jones really showcased that in his first game. You know, with fourteen catches, just how uh, much of a weapon he is. So, you know, you, you wonder about if they're in the four-three, 
you know, their lateral quickness because the Cyclones could just, you know, swing it out, you know, get past the linebacker and pick up seven, eight yards every, every single pass. So I, I think the strategy of the game is also important to ask Kirk about. No doubt about it. Scott Dockerman, read him at The Athletic, theathletic.com. Doc, we'll recap it with you on Monday. Have a wonderful week, Scott Dockerman. Uh, give yourself some extra time getting to Ames uh, on Saturdays. Liable to be a little crowded. <laughs> it will be. It'll be the biggest game I've ever seen there, no doubt about it. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman uh, from The Athletic. 11.45, we'll come back and finish things up. Who will who we'll find out who Tred Javanapit Does he have an opinion tonight? Self-appointed Mr. Monday Night. I was pretty good on Mondays last year. I got a feeling on a, at least one of the games. Mr. Monday Night will let you know yes. next. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460. KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, final couple of minutes. Miller, Miller and Mr. Monday Night. Yes, that's right. You know Hi, the name Condon. of the song, right? No. You should. What is it? Orange Crush. Don't know the name of this tune. Yeah. I don't even know who does this R-E-M. tune. R.E.M. Okay. Um, I didn't know. Well, hopefully Orange will crush tonight. That is a harbinger of Mr. Monday Night's picks. We get two of them tonight. So, And do you, do you really do like both games? I do like both games. What I are like... the numbers? So give me the early one. Uh, Saints are favored by what? Nine? Seven. Oh, that's about, that's not many seven, seven and a half, what you're looking at. I'm grabbing the points there. Give me the Texans in okay. game one. Early kickoff, 6-10. Is a central time kickoff for that one. And that is the main Monday night crew. Yes, that's where you'll get Booger mm-hmm. out of the mobile, mm-hmm. as he was late last that's season. That's where he needs to be. And in he's both. Yep. I like I like Booger last year. Not so much Witten. Mm-hmm. I like Booger. Joe Tess still... Witten, uh, scored a touchdown yesterday. Did you see he that? did, yes. I was watching at the time. I was smiling about that. That was yeah. good to see. It Absolutely. really was. Late in the game, were you watching when... They were getting ready to kneel down, and he was no. cracking a joke in the huddle. No, I wasn't. I Everyone was laughing. They had a Seahawks Bengals. I think they had a real tight shot of them, and he was just laughing. Was it good for him having the time of his life back out on the football field? That's a good team. They're Cowboys are a good team. Really good. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a fun race with them and the Eagles. I think so too. I agree with you. I think we're going to see some good stuff there. But I'm going to grab the points in the first game. Second game, I'm going with the Orange Crush. Raiders, they're a train wreck, right? Yeah, Denver's not very good. Yeah, they're Someone has to win. These are the worst two teams in the AFC West by a long ways. Yeah. By a long ways. Chargers taking a step back this year, though. I do not like the offseason they have. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, they the Melvin Gordon thing, I don't know if it's a distraction or not. Look, the Chiefs are head and shoulders above anybody in the division. It's Chiefs and the Patriots. Grab the, the points. Lay the points. Those are my okay. two picks. Texans, Broncos. Parlay or no? No parlay. No, no, no. We'll play singles. We need to start piling up some wins here. Two and three. Yeah. Last week. So you're six and four overall. Six you're right, and four you're off overall. on the right foot. Hey, I'll take 600 for the full season. Absolutely will. That would make a lot of money. Indeed, every single year. RVTV is on the road. That means the uh, Murph and Andy show will come to you from Polk City today. By the way, have you seen the – I noticed it for the first time last night. I didn't watch a lot of Channel 13 over the weekend. They don't have a lot of college football. Mm-hmm. Um, they're replaying some old clips from RVTV. Some fun stuff in yes, there. Yes, as they should. I'm surprised they didn't – and maybe they have in the past, but – uh, jumped off. Whoever came up with that idea is brilliant. Yes. It's just absolutely brilliant to bring the state together and do so by a television station that's 
you know, these guys are out there having some fun, and of course Murph's leading it. Um, it was a great idea. North Polk tonight, and you can, uh, Polk City. Polk City, yeah. You can get your picture taken with a replica of the initial Cyhawk Trophy when Iowa Corn got involved. And the kneeling family. Are they bringing that there? Are they yeah, good for them? They're going to have that thing out there. So they're asking people to recreate it. So I was thinking maybe the Condens could make our way up there. Try to recreate that. I got four now in the family, you right? You do. You do. So are you seriously thinking about going? We'll see if we can talk the wife into it. Probably a no, but you'll be the first to get the picture if we do it. All right. Well, Murph and Annie come your way from Polk City today at 2. Fanatics, I believe they're in studio today. Uh, then tomorrow morning, we'll start it all over again with the morning rush. Trent and I are back tomorrow from 10 to noon. We appreciate you being here with us. It's Miller and Condon on Cyhawk Week, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.